Thanks for tuning in once again to Organic Matters. This part of the show, I'm going to start with something that I call good news. I always feel like I do so much bad news. Things that are happening, we want to fix, worrying about the climate, what time, of, what can you plant in November. But this is good news, it's kind of interesting. The United States got a record-breaking 40% of its energy from carbon-free sources in the year 2022, the last year we were able to get numbers for, although 2023 looks even better. Don't want to get into politics here, but the uh, outlook for 2023 is better because the Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, IRA, which nobody's following very much, that's amazing how much it's done that nobody knows, uh, is promoting the cleanest energy transition uh, of any of the past. It's going to happen faster than ever. Carbon-free sources supplied over 40% of the U.S.'s total energy output in 2022. The figure combines renewable generation, such as solar, wind, and hydro, and nuclear altogether. Nuclear and hydropower remain at similar levels to previous years, so the majority of the increase comes from wind, power, and solar power. Unlike most news, they call it news sources you get these days on the public airwaves, I try to give you where it came from. And this data comes from the Sustainable Energy in America nonprofit 2023. It's a Facebook find, I thought, but it's not what I guess I always like nonprofit because they're not kind of being pushed or pulled by who's got the most bucks at the time. And this is a good kick for one of the things I'm really interested in. That same report showed that electric vehicles, The sales were surged by over 50% in 2022, with over 980,000 new EVs added to uh, the driving public. And that's good news in two ways. First, it's roughly a million cars less in gas that we're going to have, thank God. Two, and then it's another million cars that uses zero or near zero Uh, emissions themselves. Now, I don't get in the fight right now. Yes, it takes energy to make these cars, but they more than pay themselves back far before their their useful life is at its end. On a slight negative here, but not much, in 2022, construction of renewable facilities in the U.S. actually slowed slightly compared to previous years, mostly due to the supply chain issues. They couldn't get enough supplies to build them, and we do have an inflation problem we're still dealing with. But despite this, the renewables broke records, meaning 13% of total energy U.S. energy demand and 23% of electricity demand, the highest level ever. And as of me doing this show, from what I can find, the outlook for what we're going to find out through the year 2023 is even brighter. The Inflation Reduction Act promoting the clean energy transition that was passed, it was passed back in August of 2022, allocates 370, well, 369 and some dollars, billion, 369 billion now, unfathomable number to me, to renewable energy and reducing greenhouse gas emissions, primarily through tax credits for all levels of the energy transition sector. Towards the end of 2022, again, the last records we can get, the legislation saw solar, EV battery, and other clean energy sectors announce plans for new manufacturing plants here on the U.S. only, because it's one of these things that can't go somewhere else. China can't do it for us. That's another good news about solar and wind power. We control it. We own it right where we are. And so what I was an aside to this, 
because it was so successful, also sparked interest in green hydrogen in industries like oil refining and steel production. It's just going to take time, folks. Do let me mention nuclear power here because it's a contentious topic among us that consider sustainable energy. It is considered carbon-free as nuclear reactors go because they don't produce CO2. But the building of them, number one, and the use of them, number two, is far, far more contentious, dangerous than solar or wind power. I envision the time when we won't be using nuclear power plants anymore just because how dangerous they are. And here's the good news, well, for me, both solar and wind energy is now far cheaper per kilowatt hour than anything ever made in a nuclear power plant. I do have to kind of say, at the short term, it is a useful stopgap in the transition of renewable energy. Its production doesn't depend on sun or wind, making it a reliable source of energy that is preferable to emissions spewing fossil fuels, even though it's in itself not the safest source of energy that we are going to end up with. I do have to mention developments, though, that we're coming up with. One is the extraction of uranium from seawater, and the one we're working on, it's down the road, folks, This is not tomorrow. Uh, We're getting closer and closer to true nuclear fusion reactors, which could really be a a real godsend in the future. And when I say green hydrogen, green hydrogen is actually hydrogen, which we know how to do, but it's quite expensive where it was. But now we're learning to make the hydrogen we need using renewable energy from wind and solar. It's eventually going to be a win-wind if you'll pardon the pun. Another interesting fact I came across studying this was in the European Union, the EU, they installed a record-breaking 41.4 gigawatts, now I can't even say what that is, of solar energy alone, enough to power the equivalent of over 12.5 million homes. That is over a 47% increase from the 28.1 gigawatts just in 2021, in one year, the block's capacity to generate power from this renewable source increased by 25% in one year. One other interesting fact about this that came up is wind and solar power also produced more of the entire European area, EU's electricity, than fossil gas for the first time ever in 2022. In other words, renewable energy was responsible in 2022 for a record one-fifth, actually more than that, 22% of the entire European Union's block for electricity. These facts alone about 2022 only caused what I call a minor minor ripple in the coal power industry, but a huge wave of support for renewables. In my Estimation: Any fears of a coal rebound coming back? Yeah, there's still a ton of coal mines being, but, but as far as I'm concerned, the future of coal in the long run is definitely a dead issue. On the lighter side, I'm going to bring up something I just found, again, during my several hours of perusing each week I do to do this crazy show. I'm just going to throw this at you, and it is from a scientist, This is, but it's Very interesting. Kangaroo poo. Kangaroo poo uh, is a a surprising ally in the fight against 
methane spewing cow farts. Now, think about that one. In the studies I found, and they're a few years old now, they've been around, researchers added a microbial culture made from baby kangaroo feces, we'll try to be as cool as we can, uh, that in the result, it produced acetic acid in the stomachs of the cows they introduced it to instead of methane. Unlike the greenhouse gases, acetic acid isn't emitted as flatulence, there's not a better word, and benefits the cows in two ways. First, no methane, so no greenhouse gas. Acetic acid isn't emitted as flatulence and actually benefits cows by aiding in their muscle growth, more meat. So it's something of a win-win situation so far in this, I would call it, uh, ongoing science. The science itself may be in its infancy, but do realize this. Methane is the second largest contributor to greenhouse gases after CO2 and is around 30 times more potent per volume when it comes to heating up the atmosphere. Livestock farming, bad fact but true, is the world's biggest human-caused source of this climate-wrecking gas, methane. After a lot of study, folks, it's clear that cattle farming at its current scale and the way we do it is basically long-term unsustainable. Come on, there's over 8 billion of us. But as well as scrutinizing the industry, some scientists are looking at how to tackle the methane problem on its own with a biological resource, which kangaroo poo may very well be. Let's look a little bit more at this. Kangaroos are not ruminants. They're not cows or uh, four stomachs, they call it, which is really not quite true. So their method of, of, of uh, assimilating the green products they eat produces acetic acid instead of methane. A win-win. There's a lot, lot of work to be done yet, folks. It's, it, this is not an end science. I'm not trying to give you that. But at this point, the introduction of these bacteria from, and this is interesting, baby kangaroos only. The adults don't seem to, they're neutral, they don't seem to produce this. Introducing these bacteria into young cattle, so far, knock on wood, I got wood somewhere, <laughs> uh, has proved to be extremely effective. Now that may sound like the weirdest thing in the world to do, but we are trying to feed 8 billion people, and around the world, I still think red meat's probably the one of the, the uh, most consumed products that, that humans prefer to eat. To kind of put this in a nutshell, because there's a lot more pages on this, folks. What they did is they introduced baby kangaroo bacteria. Let's get rid of the word poo. And they followed it. After that step, the acetic acid bacteria successfully replaced the methane-producing microbes for several months now and kept pace with the growth rate. What they're looking at is using this bacteria. I don't want to do poo again, but I will. Uh, on a, once a year, like you would give a cow a shot for whatever you give a cow. But it doesn't affect its DNA. It doesn't affect the value of the meat. And it continues this ongoing process of instead of producing methane, would then produce acetic acid, which is good for the cow and very good for the environment. 
So sort of for the latest part of this particular experiment, yes, it's gone going. I'm not going to give you the end of the story yet because we don't know. But it, it has introduced a whole different concept that we possibly could raise this red meat we all love even more than we probably should, but in an environment that is actually an asset to our earth rather than a liability. If we can stop producing methane, again, a, a gas 20 times stronger than CO2, and produce milli, literally billions of tons of food for the world's population, it could certainly turn out being what I would call a true win-win uh, situation. They give their uh, production right now, uh, three to five, nothing happens overnight. In the next three to five years, they're going to look at just exactly how efficient we can learn to handle this. If that's what it would take is a shot, a shot a year of something that, again, they do know it's not a DNA disruptor or anything, and you get uh, tons of meat, tens of millions of pounds with no, literally no methane, only acetic acid, which the cow uses itself, well, I couldn't think of a much better approach to uh, another problem we're solving and how to feed the world. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matter.